listening to the podcast of Northside Assembly of God in Crowley, Louisiana. Let's jump right into it. Amen. We're going to jump right into this. The, uh, we've been doing a series in Colossians. We're going to continue it today. We're in Colossians 3. And the title of my sermon is Remember Who You Are. Remember Who You Are. Today, I want to begin this sermon in a way that I almost never begin sermons. In fact, in all of the eight years that I've been the pastor here, I think I've only done this one other time. And I want to begin today with a movie clip. And uh, I was surprised to learn this week when I was looking for it. Uh, This is a movie that is almost nearly 30 years old. I was shocked. You can probably tell what movie it is on the screen. I want to show you a clip from The Lion King. And uh, it's about, what, two minutes, something like that. So watch this clip. And as you watch this clip, I want your wheels to be turning. I want you to be thinking, why is he showing this to us? Where are we going with this? And I want to see if you can figure it out. So let's watch this clip from uh, The Lion King. Damien, you're going to black out the lights for us. Thank you. All right. I'm um, I'm sure the writers of this movie did not intend this. But that clip that we just watched, it is just full of gospel truth. It's just pure kingdom truth. Hits the nail on the head. The Father lives in you. Don't forget the Father. Because if you forget the Father, you're going to forget who you are. Because who you are is a direct reflection of who he is. You're made in his image. And he lives in you. Remember, remember who you are. The question is, do we see it or not? Are we looking hard enough? Do we look beyond the surface and see the deeper truth of who we are in Christ? See, there is a surface you. There's a a surface truth about you. It's the boring you, the mundane you, the you that you've always been used to, the you that you've grown up with, the you that is largely a reflection of the environment around you where most of our thoughts are just automated replays of the stuff that's been said to us and stuff we've internalized and experienced throughout our lives, and we just absorb it. And what's so sad and what's so unfortunate is that the overwhelming majority of people only know about their surface self. They only see and are aware of the self that is on the surface. As Mufasa said a moment ago, You're made for much more than what you've become. And beyond the surface, there's something much deeper about who you are and about every person on this planet. The deeper truth is that you are made in the image of your creator, that you are loved with an unsurpassable love, that the Father has a hope and a dream for every person who dwells on this planet, What's also true about you is that when you surrender to his love in the person of Jesus Christ, well, now that makes you a child of God in a very unique sense. And now you have this rich inheritance that we're going to talk about in a moment. In other words, there are deeper truths about you that we need to resonate with, that we need to see, that we need to... um, that we need to understand these truths are so mind-bogglingly beautiful and bizarre and fantastic. And it's already true, but we only walk in it and we only manifest it to the degree that we surrender to it 
that we see it, that we look hard beneath the surface and grab hold of it and internalize it. And this is what faith is. And this is what the process of discipleship is all about. Discipleship, you could say it this way, discipleship is the process of learning to believe and embrace the truth that God says about you, even when it doesn't look like it on the surface. So hopefully I've whet your appetite a little bit this morning with that little bit and also with the Lion King clip. Let's go ahead and look at our text this morning. We're going to we're going to actually, I'm going to do something I never do. I, again, the second thing we almost never do at Northside when I preach through a book of the Bible, I'm going to hit the rewind button. And I want to look at a passage we looked at two weeks ago because we left some good meat on the bone. I hate leaving meat on the bone. So we're going to chew on this bone a little bit more today. And I promise next week we're going to go forward in Colossians. But I want us to once again look at Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4. Paul writes this, Since then you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, like a thermostat. Set it. Resolve it. Fix it. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, not on surface truth things. Because here's the deeper truth, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. All right. Let's pray. Let's not pray a routine prayer. Let's really consecrate this time to God. Heavenly Father, we're here and gathered by your purpose and your design. There's all sorts of things today that are going to try to draw our attention away from you. I pray that that would not happen. As an act of worship, we sacrificially give you this time as best we can, we stop thinking about other stuff, anything that's been occupying our mind this week, anything else that would compete for our attention. The only important thing to think about right now is that there's something you want to speak to me and you and everybody here. There's something you want to speak to us. So I pray as an act of worship that we would lay aside everything else and as best we know how, receive the seed of your word deep into the soil of our hearts clear out anything that would block its path from taking deep root so that it can sprout and bear fruit for your kingdom. May your agenda be established this morning and help me, Lord, communicate clearly today in Jesus' name. Amen. Why did God create human beings? Think about it. Don't answer me out loud. Why did God create human beings? You know, I suppose there's probably a few things you could say. There's probably not just one thing. There's probably a few reasons why God created human beings. But one of those reasons, certainly, is that God created human beings to have dominion over the earth. In fact, that's the very first thing it says in Genesis 1, where God speaks within the triune Godhead and says, let us make man in our own image. What's the next thing? Let him have dominion over the earth. So at least one of the primary reasons God created human beings is so that we would be put in charge over the earth. He gave us authority over the earth and everything on the earth, the animal kingdom, plants, the earth itself. God wants us to rule the earth. And he wants us to rule the earth in a way that reflects his heart, his priorities, his character. 
Because God still owns it all, right? You and I are not the owners. We're just stewards. We're caretakers. Or you might think of it like this. We're just house sitting. That's what we're doing. You know, if you ever leave your house for an extended period of time, you might line up somebody to house sit for you. And they don't own it. You still own it. But you put them in charge. You give them dominion over your house. And your desire is that they would treat your house with the same respect that you treat it, correct? That's what's happening right now. We've been put in charge. We're house-sitting God's creation here. And God still owns it. He still is Lord of it. But he doesn't want to do it by himself. He wants to be Lord through us. He, he gives us authority so that we, in hopes that we would use our authority in alignment with his authority and with his priorities. And that's why in the New Testament, you and I are called co-rulers with God. We are co-rulers of the earth. Now, the problem, as most of you know, is that we used our authority at cross purposes with God. Very early on, we rebelled against God. And this is seen in the story of Adam and Eve, where Adam and Eve believed the lie of the serpent. The, The serpent gives them a false picture of God. And having believed this false picture of God, they sin. Because I believe all sin ultimately originates from believing a false picture of God. That's where it starts. You believe a false picture of God. And that leads to sin. And so Adam and Eve sin, they rebel, they use their authority against the purposes of God. And by doing so, what happens is we surrendered our authority, our dominion over the earth. We surrendered that position over to the hands of Satan. And that's why in the New Testament, Satan is referred to as the God of this age. In the garden, he became the primary ruling authority over the earth. And that's why things are so messed up right now. You may have noticed, how many of you have noticed that the world's a little messed up? And it's because it's under the constant, destructive, oppressive, corrupt power of Satan. So when we rebelled against God... We lost our position as rulers of the earth, but we also lost our competency to rule. In other words, when we surrendered authority of the earth to Satan, not only did the world get messed up, something got broken in us. Deep in the core, in our very nature, something damaged us. We became broken. So that now we no longer have the kind of character that's necessary in order to exercise loving dominion over the earth. So we lost the character necessary for that. In fact, when you look at it, because of the fall, we don't even rule much of anything anymore. We don't even rule our own thoughts. Our own thoughts. Most of what we think is not even stuff we choose to think. It's stuff we absorb from the environment around us and we just regurgitate it. And because we don't properly control how we think, we don't properly control our emotions. And because we don't properly control our emotions, we don't properly control our behaviors. And because we don't properly control our behaviors, we don't impact the world the way God wants us to. Because every impact we make is is mediated through our bodies. And so if humankind, if we're ever going to once again have and exercise loving dominion over the earth the way God wants us to, we first have to have mastery over our behaviors which means we have to have mastery over our emotions, which means we have to have mastery over our thoughts. And that's why we always come back to the the mind here at Northside, the thoughts, 
because this is where the battles won and lost. This is the linchpin of everything. So when we rebelled, watch this, we lost our position as co-rulers. We lost our competency to rule, but, everybody say but, but we did not lose our impulse to rule. Because that's ingrained into us. That's hardwired into us. That's part of what it means to be human is has, have an instinct to rule. The problem is we don't apply that impulse in the right way. And we rule in ways that God never intended us to. For instance, the one thing that God never intended for us to have mastery over was other people. And yet that's the story of human history. is human beings trying to rule over other human beings. That's why there's been so much bloodshed in history because the story of human history is human beings imposing their will, trying to lord over others, trying to exert control over others, subjugate others, exert our superiority over one another. And that's the way the, the world and creation has gone on over and over and over again. So, so what you end up with is you have people that are no longer competent to, to rule, trying to rule in the wrong way. And that's what we call politics. But it's not just true about politicians, it's true of all of us. If we can't even rule our own thoughts, how can we rule over anything? Now, how many of you are with me so far? I, we're getting a little thick theologically. I know you can handle it, though, because just stay with me. We're, we're going somewhere, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going somewhere. We are. Now, what I'm not saying is that human beings should not be ruling over others because in a fallen world, Governments are necessary. There's no way around it. You're going to have to have governments in the world we live in. You have to have human beings who are in charge of other human beings. It's inescapable. Governments are necessary. But governments are only necessary because we live in a fallen world. So the very fact that you even have human beings in charge of other human beings and ruling other human beings should be a sign to us that right now the world as it exists is not properly related to God. Remember when God first raised up Israel? Israel didn't have a king. Who was Israel's king? God. And let me tell you something. When God is your king, you don't need another king. But because Israel was stubborn, because they were stiff-necked, they, they didn't trust this idea of God being their king. They didn't, they didn't have the imagination for it. They wanted to be like all of these other nations who had a, a tangible human king that they could see and, and hear and touch. And they wanted to be able to have a king who could lead them into battle. And so they cried out for a human king, and finally God relents and says, I give up. Give it to him. He tells Samuel, they've rejected me as king, and they insist on having a human king. And from that point on, it just goes downhill for Israel. But then centuries later, Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus is going to refound the world around himself. He's going to refound human society around himself. And he's going to do it through these 12 men that he appoints. And there's a time where Jesus calls these 12 men together. Stay with me. Watch this. And he says, you know what? The pagans always lord over others. They're always interested in ruling over others, imposing their will on others, cashing in whatever privilege they've got. That's the history of the world. That's why there's so much bloodshed in the world. But he looks at these 12 men through whom he's going to begin his movement. And he says, it's not to be so among you. For you, it's going to be the other way around. The last are going to be first. The first are going to be last. And what's going to characterize you 
the people of my movement, is that you're going to serve. You're going you're to gain power under people by serving, not exerting power over. Don't, you're not going to be preoccupied with trying to impose your will on others. You're going to subvert the, the, the existing structures by serving, by coming under people. And in the meantime, you're going to trust your heavenly king. You're going to trust God to do what he needs to do. But your responsibility, your vocation, is to love well, to serve well, and to manifest the character of your heavenly king. That's what it means to be a kingdom person. We keep our hearts pure from all of this stuff, and we set our eyes, our hearts, our minds on things above rather than earthly things. And this, this is why I'm going to tell you this, and I, uh, this is one of my constant things that I try to keep in front of you all the time. You hear me say this if you come to church here a lot. You hear me say stuff like this. And every once in a while, it ruffles somebody's feathers. But I've just reached a point in my life I don't care. Because I'm called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes the gospel of Jesus Christ ruffles feathers. Have you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Not everybody could handle the things that Jesus said. And if I'm going to be faithful to preaching the gospel as Jesus proclaimed it, I have to risk offense. I have to risk misunderstanding. And so I want to say this to you like I've said many times before in other ways. If you're a kingdom person, listen to me, never put any of your hope in a human regime. Never put your hope in a policy, in a politician, in a party. Put all of your hope in Jesus Christ. He's your king. Listen to me. You've got a king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Put all of your allegiance into him. Put all of your trust into him. Put all of your hope into him. All of it. You can't have two masters. Now, vote, give your opinion, fine. But don't put any hope in that stuff. Don't leverage anything in that. Put all your allegiance and hope into Jesus Christ. And trust God to run this thing. Because he's the only one competent to do so. All right. Maybe I'll get an email this week. I don't know. So we were, just in summary, we were created to have dominion over the earth. We rebelled. We surrendered that dominion to Satan. Satan became primary ruling authority over the earth. And things became super messed up. But when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, watch this. Jesus comes to do three things. He comes to defeat the powers and principalities that kept the world bound and kept humanity bound. Number two, he came to redeem us and set us free so that we can be reconciled to the Father. And number three, he came to restore us to our rightful position as co-rulers of the earth. And watch this. All three of these things happened in principle already when Jesus rose from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, all of those things have already been accomplished in principle. But we don't yet see it perfectly. Yes, Jesus has defeated Satan and his kingdom. But man, you look around the world today, it sure seems like Satan is still having his way with a lot of things. It still looks like he's making a lot of headway. So even though it's been accomplished in principle, we don't yet see it perfectly manifested. And we won't until Jesus returns and makes it all right. Let me give you an analogy that will help you to think clearly about this. In the early stages of World War II, Nazi Germany was running roughshod over Europe. 
They had conquered Poland. They were beginning to conquer other areas in uh, Eastern Europe. They invaded France, took Paris, took France, and then they started bombing London. And it was a scary time to be alive. But then the Americans joined the war against Germany. And on June 6, 1944, the Allied powers, the Americans, invaded Omaha Beach, Normandy, France. It was a bloody battle. A lot of lives were lost. It was horrific. But the Americans won uh, the victory there on D-Day. That's what we call it, D-Day. And from there, because of that battle, because of the victory on Normandy in Normandy on, on Omaha, Omaha Beach, because of that victory on D-Day, now the Allied powers, America, established a beachhead now in Europe. Now they had a foothold by which they could now begin to send and flood Europe with troops and begin to put, uh, push the Nazis back. And when historians look back on D-Day, they say that was the big turning point right there. When D-Day was won, from that point on, the outcome of the war was decided. And Germany was a defeated foe in principle. Now, there was still going to be a lot of fighting because they didn't give up. There's still going to be a lot of battles. There's still going to be a lot of bloodshed and a lot of lives lost. But because D-Day had taken place, V-Day was just a matter of time. D-Day, the, 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 the victory, the, the war was won. And the Nazis, in principle, their, their time is short. But it would only be 11 months later before they would finally surrender. In fact, Hitler never surrendered. They surrendered after he shot himself. But even as Berlin was burning and you had the Russians closing in and you had the Allied powers closing in, they're still fighting. But eventually, the remaining regime surrendered. And we call that V-Day. But the victory wasn't really won on V-Day. The victory was decided on D-Day. But in between, there was a lot of fighting. You see, that's where we are right now. That's what I want you to see. We're in this in-between time where D-Day's already happened. D-Day was 2,000 years ago. Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the grave. When that happened, Satan's fate was sealed. He is, in principle, a defeated foe, and, and the war has been won. But V-Day hasn't happened yet. We're still waiting for V-Day. We're waiting for Christ to return, and he's going to set everything right. So in the meantime, all of these things are true. Satan's defeated, and we've been uh, given a way to be reconciled to the Father. And also, we've been restored as co-rulers of the earth. All of that's been accomplished in principle, but we don't yet see it sometimes completely. And we see this in a passage like, for example, Hebrews 2. Look at this. I want to show this to you. It's right there in our New Testament. Hebrews 2, verse 7. He's speaking of human beings here. You have made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Watch this. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. We don't yet see it. Everything's under our feet. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all powers and principalities, but we don't yet see it all the time. But look at what he says in verse 9. But we do see Jesus, 
who was made a little, uh, excuse me, but we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. The author's saying, just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because no matter how things look on the surface, no matter how things look on the surface of your life or on the surface of this world, when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, you're seeing the future of humanity and you're seeing the future of yourself. Things may look ugly right now on the surface, but the deeper eternal truth, as Paul says in, in our passage, is that when Christ, who is your life, appears, you are also going to appear with him in glory. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Stop getting focused on the surface. You know, we live in this fog of confusion, as we've been talking about, and sometimes it's so hard to see beyond it. But if we can have, have eyes of faith, if we can have our eyes of our hearts open, we're going to see the deeper truth. I want to show you this passage here in Ephesians chapter 1. Look at what he says here, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And the hope is not in a political party. Here's the hope that he's called you to. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably, this is the next slide, incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised christ from the dead and here's what happened when he raised christ from the dead he wasn't just defeating death no no when he was raised from the dead he seated him at his right hand that that's a that's an image that means the position of authority he was seated at the position of authority, of preeminence, of sovereignty in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Glory to God. So Paul's saying about you, Paul's saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened. I pray that you and I would have eyes of faith, eyes of holy imagination. Why? So that we can, first of all, see the riches of our glorious inheritance. Earlier in that chapter, Paul says, you and I, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Everything that belongs to Abba Father, he's given to his children. We've been given the riches of his kingdom, the riches of this glorious inheritance. And I pray God, open the eyes of our heart today to see that. You know, we hear this type of language. Here's my challenge right now that I'm having. Some of us are so familiar with this language, and it just, it just sounds like cliche. It just sounds like whatever. And as we've been saying in Colossians, sometimes we look at what's going on in the surface of our lives, some of the knuckleheads that we have to work with. Not me. I have great people I work with. But um, some of the people that we got to deal with, some of the situations we and, and, and we look at the culture around us and some of the, the deception takes place. And it's like living in a cloud. It's like living in, in fog. And we don't see. We can't see. Our eyes can't penetrate beyond the surface. And that's why Paul's praying that the eyes of our heart will be open. And here's what Paul says he wants you to be able to see. That if you're a follower of Jesus, and I want you to listen to me. I hope that the eyes of your heart are open today. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're on the path to discipleship, I'm not saying if you're perfect. I'm saying if you're on the path, if you're on the trajectory of pursuing Jesus. Paul's saying you're rich. In fact, 
you're marvelously rich. You're richer than 10 trillion Bill Gateses. Now, maybe on the surface, maybe the surface truth about you is that you don't have two dimes to rub together. And maybe on the surface, the surface truth is that they're going to foreclose on your house and you're about to lose your job. And I don't mean to diminish that truth, that reality. I, I, I don't mean to deny that that's a painful experience. It is. That's real. And you have to deal with that reality. But never forget the most, the best way to deal with that reality is to remind yourself that it's not the whole reality. In fact, it's not even a fraction of reality. It's just a shadow of reality. The reality is you've got an inheritance. It's a rich inheritance. It's a glorious inheritance. It's the inheritance of our Father, praise God. And that makes you one of the wealthiest people on this planet, along with every other person who's part of the radiant bride of Christ. You're rich. And Paul's saying if we can just see that, the eyes of faith will open and we can just see it and envision it and internalize it and seize hold of that. Listen, it doesn't make your earthly problems go away, but it sure does help you to put it back in proper perspective. And it'll give you a courage and a wisdom and a motivation to now more effectively deal with those earthly problems. The bigger your faith vision is, the smaller your problems become. So he's, been, he's given us the riches of this glorious inheritance. And then he says this. This is the part I really love. You've been given this incomparably great power. I love that the word incomparably is there. There's no comparison. It's not like Paul says, hey, it's the greatest power there is, because that's a comparison. He says it's an incomparably great power. You know why? Because it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And, and amen. And again, Lord, help us to see this this morning. Help us to look past the surface. Help us, Lord, not to let our brains, our damaged brains, just delete this as if it's fantasy. Help us to envision this and see this and grab hold of it today. Here's what I need you to know. I don't care how, listen, everybody look at me. I know, I know y'all are looking at me. I just, when I say that, it's not because you're not. It's because I, I want your attention full. I don't care how it feels right now on the surface of your life. I don't care what you think on the surface of your life. If you are a follower of Jesus... If you're on the path of discipleship, Josh Miller, there's a power that is at work in you. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Jason Hanks, there's a power that's at work in you. It's the same power that defeated death. It's the same power that defeated sin. It's the same power that breaks every bondage there is, praise God. And maybe on the surface of your life, you feel weak. You feel pathetic. You feel like I don't have a whole lot going for me. But the deeper truth is that you're incredibly strong because you've got the power of Almighty God working in you. And you're more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Lord, open the eyes of our heart to see that this morning. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord Jesus. Maybe on the surface of your life, you, you, uh, it just seems like right now you're just sitting on a pew 
you're just in a church building here in Crowley, Louisiana, or, or you're on the live stream, or you're listening to podcasts, and you're, where, you're wherever you are in your bedroom, or riding a bike, or washing dishes, and it just seems like on the surface, that's where you are. You're down here listening to me up here preach, and Jesus is way up there somewhere, and that's what it seems like. And maybe that's true on a surface level, but folks, if you could just have the eyes of faith opened this morning, if you could just see with the eyes of your heart this morning, what you'll see is that's just a fraction of the truth. That's just a shadow reality. The deeper truth is that you're not just down here. Right now, you're also up there seated with Christ, far above all powers and principalities. And not only that, Christ is down here and he's with you because he's in your heart. And and, and as Paul says, you're entangled with Christ. And Christ is your life. Christ is your breath. Everything that is Christ also belongs to you. And if we could just see that and glimpse that and envision that, that's what breaks the bondages in our lives. Lord, help us to see. Maybe on the surface of your life, you feel like you're just a nobody. You don't get any recognition. You don't get any applause. You feel like you're pretty insignificant. And you know what? Maybe on the surface, by the world standards, you are insignificant to a certain degree from their perspective. And that may be true on the surface. But if you can have eyes of faith this morning and see the deeper truth, you'll realize I'm a child of the king. I've got royal DNA flowing through my veins. I've got this riches of glorious inheritance. I've been made a co-ruler with Christ. And you couldn't be more significant than you are. Lord, open our eyes to see this today. It may be that on the surface truth level, you feel like you're weak. You feel like you're in bondage. You're in bondage to your porn addiction. You're in bondage to gambling. You're in bondage to drugs and alcohol. Maybe you feel on the surface that you're just a weak person. You never stand up for yourself because you don't feel like you have much say-so. You don't feel like you have much of a personality. And that may be true on the surface. It's, it's part of your story, and we got to deal with that reality. But the way to deal with that effectively is to know that that's not the whole truth. That's just a fraction of the truth. That's just a shadow truth. If you're a child of God, then when you surrender to God, there's a deeper truth that's true about you, that you're seated right now far above all bondage, far above anything that could trip you up, far above anything that can hold you down. And even if you feel weak on the exterior of your life, on the surface, you're incredibly strong. You've got the power of Almighty God flowing through your life. You're more than a conqueror in all these things. Lord, help us to see this. Help us to remember who we are in Christ. How we are between our ears, that's going to determine the direction of your life. If you want to live into your identity, you've got to think, you've got to think right. You've got to get your mind right. And it's not the truth that we're trying to talk ourselves into something that's not true. It's not like you're trying to think your way into a new truth. No, it's actually the other way around. This is already true. You're just trying to get your mind to line up. You've got to clear your mind of all of the deception you've inherited throughout your life. Get rid of all that false junk and fill it with the truth of God's word. And that's what brings change. That's what breaks breaks bondages. Learning how to think and embrace what God says is true. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about today? Maybe you're in this place and you feel like a sinner. I'm just a sinner. I don't even belong in this church service right now. Everybody in here is more righteous than I am. And you know what? Maybe on the surface, maybe there's a degree of truth there. I don't know. On the surface, maybe that's true. But folks, that's just a fraction of the truth. That's just a shadow of the truth. The true reality is that you've been made a saint. 
that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you've been bought and paid for, and, and Jesus has become our sin, and his righteousness has become our righteousness. Therefore, you are holy and righteous and blameless in the sight of God, and you're seated with Christ far above all unrighteousness, and you're a child of the King. Lord, help us to see that this morning. It may be that right now on the surface of your life, you just feel like a failure. All these dreams that you had growing up when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, none of them have happened because you've blown it. You've made horrible mistakes in your life. Your whole life has just been a disappointment, and that's the way you see yourself. I'm a failure, I'm a disappointment, and I'm just an insignificant person. Maybe that's true on the surface. But my question to you this morning is this. Are you going to let that define you? Or are you going to remember who you really are? What do you see when you look in the mirror of your mind? And if you see a failure, if you see yourself as a disappointment, if you see yourself as insignificant, you're not looking hard enough. You're not remembering the Father. Therefore, you're not remembering who you are. You need to pray, God, open my eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, the eyes of my imagination. Help me to see the truth. I don't care how ugly it is right now on the surface of your life. The surface of your life may be the, the complete opposite of this. But you've got to make a decision. What am I going to fix my heart on? What am I going to fix my mind on? And Paul says, fix your heart and fix your mind on things above, on the deeper truth. See it. Imagine it. Think it. Envision it. Remember the Father and remember who you are. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Northside Assembly of God, check out our website at www.northsidecrowley.com.